the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The whole of the church suffers when even two within a church of thousands are willing to go to court with one another. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. Well, one of the things I uh, most appreciate about living in America and being an American is the uh, freedoms we have, especially within our legal system. I was just uh, speaking uh, with a member, a couple members of our church this past week, and uh, we were having a, a discussion and because we had differing views on politics. Now, I uh, ended the conversation by saying I'm your pastor, not your political analyst, and so we don't really need to go any further. But something that didn't occur to me ever during that conversation was that there was someone from the government listening in on our conversation with the sole purpose of finding who was against the government so that individual or individuals would be put in prison. And as sci-fi as that sounds, that is happening around the world even as I speak. That is a reality for many. As frustrating as it may be that uh, social media may cancel certain individuals or remove certain videos or posts, we don't have a government that shuts down the entire internet, as some would in our country or in the world today, in 2020, that is happening, and the CEO of that company disappears, only to show up on public television a few years later, disheveled and emaciated to give a public apology. A public apology that even the most untrained ear in America would clearly see as written by the government, and yet the millions, if not billions, in that country think it's truly coming from the heart of that individual. Why? Because they've been brainwashed since birth. These are rights that we have as Americans, legal rights that are not promised in Scripture. Nowhere in the Bible are we told we would have the freedom to vote, the freedom of religion, the freedom to speak our minds. This is something God has graciously done for us. And yet with all things, all good things, especially freedoms, they can be used negatively. And one of the negatives of being in such a free country is that we live in a very litigious society. And one of the bigger issues of having such freedoms is the belief, the air of self-entitlement. Even if the contract says we're wrong, we demand that we are right, and we want what is ours. And we don't just want payback, 
remuneration for the $102 that we lost. We want millions for emotional distress, emotional damage. We have an ordered society, an ordered legal system in this country. And because of that, so many take advantage. No one really in the world will call it taking advantage because it is fully legal. And to take, demand that they are right, even when they think they are wrong. I mean, think about it. How many fewer lawsuits would we have if the contract was just the contract and everyone went by it? Nah, but you know, I, I don't, that's not right anymore because this, this, and this. And even though it says there right above your signature that you are wrong, you demand that you are right. I mean, isn't that a lawsuit? Isn't that a dispute? There's at least two people involved, and both of them think they're right. If one of them thinks they're wrong, there would be no dispute. There would be no lawsuit. And this is the very issue that Paul is talking about in our passage this morning. In the second part of our series that we began last week, entitled Dealing with Disputes. And we saw last week that we are not to willingly, voluntarily put a secular judge who by his very vocation has to rule based on the law of the land and not on Christian principles or Christian character over us. Especially, Paul said in verses 1 through 6 of 1 Corinthians 6, especially when any spirit-led, scripture-filled believer should be able to deal with the situation, even those who are in the midst of that dispute should be able to settle it. If not, other Christians should. In other words, the situation should never have gone to that point in the first place, but if it does, others in this church should be able to handle it. And keep in mind, he is talking about Christian taking another Christian to what we would call civil or small claims court. This is not talking about the world. This is not talking about criminal court or crimes. This is in no way giving license to be disrespectful or disobedient to our government, which the Lord has put in place for our well-being. But when it comes to things like property and money and fighting over those things, the reason Paul says not to do it is because it is selfish. It focuses on money and it disregards God and His church and the fellowship and the unity that we have and we are to have. And Paul continues and explains even further what these lawsuits are in the context of the church. Look, at, look with me at verses 7 through 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 7 through 11. Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud, you do this even to your brethren. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. But... You were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. 
I want to give you this morning five motivations to avoid legal disputes. Five motivations to avoid legal disputes, specifically in the church, Christian to Christian. In other words, five principles regarding Christian lawsuits that will motivate us to avoid them, or simply five motivations to avoid legal disputes. We have a lot of text to cover, so let me jump right into the first motivation to avoid these disputes, legal disputes, is the pernicious the pernicious or the detrimental negative evil outcome. The pernicious outcome. Let me read for you again verse 7 where Paul says, actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. And remember, there was at that time of this writing, the church of Corinth 2,000 years ago, already a lawsuit that Paul had heard of. This was probably a pattern or, or a habit within the church. There were other lawsuits that had taken place or perhaps were even taking place at that time. And what he's saying here in verse 7, in that context, it says he doesn't matter who wins the lawsuit. It doesn't matter what the legal verdict is. You've all already lost. To be clear, he's not saying that you've lost because the ruling will be unfair. He's not saying you've already lost because the judge has to rule for one against another, thus someone is defeated. No, he's saying the very fact that you have a lawsuit is a defeat. And we talked about this a lot last week. The word defeat is speaking of a moral and spiritual defeat, not a legal defeat. And again, we unpacked this a lot last week, so I won't go too much into it this morning. Here, although he's focusing on the two individuals in the lawsuit, most specifically probably the one who initiated the lawsuit. The rebuke, as we've seen throughout 1 Corinthians, is aimed at the whole church. You two did this, and you all let this happen. The reason this is a spiritual defeat in God's eyes is because for something to go so far as to be brought to a secular judge, to bring a secular judge into the picture... You're talking about already a a whole bunch of sin in terms of lack of forgiveness, a lack of love. We're not even just talking about the dispute itself, the fact that it gets to this point. See, the defeat isn't limited to those in the courtroom. The Christian dignity and honor, that is one through love and fellowship, is harmed. It is lost to some degree. The reputation of the cause of Christ is affected. In other words, the whole of the church suffers when even two within a church of thousands are willing to go to court with one another. Ultimately, as we saw last week, this comes down to your priorities. And this is important. Your priorities, if they are wrong, are not just wrong if you go to court. Understand that if you have these wrong priorities, it's going to affect other areas of your life, courtroom or not. So do you prioritize financials, being right, winning, and personal gain? Or do you prioritize grace, love, fellowship, and God's glory, God's honor? Obviously, for the Christians, the latter is to be prioritized. The latter is the preferred option, which coincidentally is our second motivation to avoid legal disputes, the preferred option. 
the preferred option. He ends verse 7 with these two rhetorical questions. Why not rather be wronged? And why not rather be defrauded? As he often does, Paul uses rhetorical questions to basically tell the church what they're supposed to do. Specifically, he says that the preferred option is to avoid a spiritual defeat by not being willing, or excuse me, by being willing to be wronged and defrauded instead of going to court. And this would allow for all that I just listed to be prioritized, love, grace, fellowship, God, as opposed to the alternative priority, which, if you remember, is me, 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 and me. That's not what you said. Yes, it was. I want to win. Me. My money. Me. My priority. Me. I need to be right. Me. doesn't matter how I phrase it. It's me, 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 and me. And first he asked, why not rather be wronged or suffer wrong in some of your translations? Back in verse 1, he refers to unbelievers as unrighteous. Later in verse 9, he will use the same word to refer to those who do not inherit the kingdom of God. Unrighteous. Why do I bring that up? The word wronged here in the Greek is the verb form of the word unrighteous. So you could say to be treated unrighteously, to be unrighteous. It's not a word, but you get the point. It's the verb form. So this really covers everything that harms or does injustice to another person. And the call, the call here is to be dealt an unjust hand, to be hurt in some way, and then that's the end of that. No gossip, no bitterness, no vengeance. You know, harboring resentment, chip on your shoulder for the rest of your life, leave the church, split the church, whatever. If you are dealt an unjust hand, if you are treated poorly, hurt in some way, there cannot come to an a amicable conclusion, then that's it. You're done. But today, in our society, We're wronged, and we don't ask for it. We demand. We demand an apology. Correct me if I'm wrong, lawyers, but sometimes that's in the lawsuit. I want a public apology. Or we pursue actions that will hurt them back. And you know what we really like? I just want to humble him. As believers, there should be a willingness to be wronged with no recourse. Paul goes further and says we should be willing to be defrauded. It means defraud, steal, deprive, take something through deception. The NIV, I like the NIV translation, cheated. Yes, Paul is essentially saying that it is better to allow yourself to be robbed than to sue a fellow Christian. Again, this word emphasizes that we're talking about some sort of financial property or business dealing in this lawsuit and the principle for us as well. This is not to say you don't talk to the person, you don't confront their sin, you you don't say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but that was mine. Okay, you understand this. Not to be foolish or unloving in a other extreme. 
still talk. But when he just fights back, then you just say, okay, I'm not going to take you to court. That's that. Why? Because we want love and fellowship to triumph. And to do this, we have to be willing to refuse to seek compensation or restitution. Otherwise, selfishness and money triumph, which reveal or reveals a moral deficiency in your life. And when we accept the wrong and defrauding, that reveals a moral success. And it shows that you understand and embrace and live out the wisdom of the cross. Speaking of the cross, as hard as this is, we must remember that Jesus said to not merely be okay with the wrong, but to turn the other cheek so they can slap that as well. If he wants to take your shirt, he says in Matthew 5, give him your coat also. We find some helpful principles in the following verses. 1 Peter 2.19 For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Listen to Romans 12, 17-21. Never, not sometimes, not when the police say it's okay, not when the court says okay, not seek someone to tell you it's okay, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And although it may not be verbalized, one of the biggest threats to this sort of godly response, as I mentioned earlier, is the concept of rights. Well, legally, I have the right to get my money back by all means necessary. Oh, well, you don't know that. You, you don't understand. That's rightfully mine. Theologically, biblically, we have the right to burn in hell and that's all. God has given you the right to burn for your sins and that is all. Practically though, let's talk about our greatest example a man who truly did have rights and gave them up for the sake of others in the most extreme way. On the cross, Jesus gave up his rights, including his right to pronounce condemnation on all of mankind right then and there. Snuff them out. At least the Jews and the Roman guards. And ironically, it was because of the condemnation incurred by sin that he gave up those rights that he might offer salvation to those who believe. 
And because of his example and call as believers, the foundation of life for us is not justice and rights as so much of our country literally burns to the ground for. No, we understand that the foundation to life is grounded in something deeper, something higher, something better. Better than rights, better than justice, better than social justice. What could that be? You know what it is. Grace. Grace. Because of this, you could say that the title for this point is not only the preferred option, it is the pious option. It is the Christ-like option. That is what he did. He gave us everything. You want to talk about rights. It's not just on the cross. On very existence, coming to earth as a man. He, you know what he had the right to do? He had the right to never be hungry because he never had been hungry before. He had the right to not thirst. He had the right to not feel pain. He had the right to not soil his diaper. He had the right to not have to have a digestive system where he had to use the bathroom and then get hungry and then feed his body again. He had the right to stay in heaven and reign. He willingly gave all of that up. Not for selfish reasons. I'm just, I really want to see what it's like down there. No, he did it to die for us. He had the right not to die. That's the preferred option. I know all of this is easier said than done. I know all of this is hard. But we look to Jesus. And if the foundation of life is grace, what better example than Jesus Christ himself? Thirdly, the paradoxical offense. Paradoxical offense. Verse 8, on the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. Rather than a willingness to be wronged or defrauded as would be Christ-like by taking someone to court, you are the one wronging and defrauding. That's why it's paradoxical. Again, Paul emphasizes that doing it to a Christian brother or sister adds insult to injury. In the Greek, that two-word phrase, you yourselves, is one word, but it is emphatic, has emphasis on it, thus the English translation. The person, again, who is primarily in view here is the one who started all of this, who put, dragged that other person to court. But the emphatic you shows that Paul is referring to the church as a whole as well. Rather than suffer loss, they are inflicting harm and pursuing unrighteous behavior. Think about this. If you are sitting anywhere else right now and hearing these words, your jaw would drop to the floor. If you had one of those, uh, it shows how, how up to date I am with technology. It used to be a TiVo. You know, you can rewind live TV. Right? I think it just comes in TVs these days or something like that. Right? You would be rewinding over and over again. I'll try to say this without laughing. Imagine Trump or Biden saying this to the other during a bait. debate. Eh, eh, you know, just going to suffer harm here. Not going to defend myself. Imagine your boss saying this to you. Imagine a victim of racism saying this to anyone, 
And imagine is the accurate word because you have to have a good imagination to picture this. It simply does not happen in this world. The way of the world is to get what's due and to give what's due. But for us, there's that itty-bitty factor that changes everything. Jesus Christ. By doing things the way the world would, which you understand is the way your human sin nature would, you violate, again, the principles of righteousness and love. So this is not paradoxical simply because as a plaintiff in a lawsuit, you're actually doing what you're accusing the defendant of doing, wronging and defrauding. But it's also paradoxical because you are redeemed unto a new nature of righteousness and love. This is unbecoming of who you are. It is a paradox. Let me give you a fourth motivation to avoid legal disputes. The profane outsiders. The profane outsiders. We come to verses 9 and 10, and it seems that Paul is either going on a tangent or moving on to another topic. But contextually, he's still speaking of the dangers of lawsuits, and I'll explain how. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.